Hey, Shelvies. Buckle up for a new episode of the Shelved Books Podcast, where every writer is a story that may never see the light of day. This is the podcast where authors share the stories that they shelved, the manuscripts that they may never publish. Then they explore the reason why they shelved this story. Welcome to the Shelved Books Podcast. Welcome, Shelvies, to another episode of the Shelf Books Podcast. Oh, it's another week, another Thursday. Are you ready for the weekend? We sure are. So please, please make sure to download or already save your this podcast episode for your weekend listening pleasure. And this week, we have a great guest for you. We were so excited when she said yes. We were over the moon that she would be here and... Uh, we are just tickled pink for her here, okay? And not in reference to what Christy is wearing. Uh, she's the author of YA romances, including You'd Be Mine, More Than More Than Maybe, and Never Saw You Coming, which if you haven't read any of those, please go ahead. Well, after you listen to this podcast, of course, but please go ahead and get those. And then she ventured into adult romance and her debut built to last is already out which received a starred review from booklist which is not easy by the way so it is already promising to be a great read if it is not on your shelf or on your list yet please make sure to make it to put it on your tbr list she's married uh, she married her own YA love interest, which I'm like, oh, I love that. <laughs> on her first day of college. I mean, come on, can can we please can we please write that story? Um, <laughs> she currently lives in Michigan and has a cat named Gus. I love that. Who plays fetch and a dog named June? Who does not? Which <laughs> I love that very much. Everybody, welcome to the podcast, Erin. Hi. Yeah. Thank you. That was a really nice intro. Thank you. <laughs> and you know, we are just uh, we are just so happy that you were able to join us today. And can you please let our viewers slash listeners know where uh, a little bit more about yourself? Um, well, like you said, I started off writing YA. Um, I started writing uh, when I moved to Michigan in my mid thirties, and um, I fell in love with YA first, but I have always been a fan of just romance in general, any age, all ages. I just love stories since I was a very, very young child. Um, so this is like my, my dream job is just to be able to write love stories and like make idiots fall in love over and over and over again. It's, it is like the best. It's my little bit of control in a world that's completely out of control. I get to just like guarantee that it's going to happen again and again. So yeah, this is, um, and I, again, I live in Michigan. I have two kids that are middle schoolers that are amazing. And um, I did meet my husband my first day of college and he's awesome and um, very supportive of me. And yeah, I just, I'm, I'm really been very, very lucky um, and that I get to do just like my favorite thing in the world. I mean, despite all of the ups and downs in publishing that I'm sure you guys cover and that we can cover, it's, um, I, I feel very lucky that I get to keep doing it, so. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a trend. I think it's a trend now where like the authors that have started out in YA are either branching out in two different directions. It's either middle grade or <laughs> adult. So you, you said you have middle schoolers. What? Why didn't you, didn't you want to explore a middle grade story as opposed to a romance, uh, an adult romance? Um, I, I do love middle grade, like, um, like reading Rick Riordan and every book that Rick Riordan presents releases. I mean, I just, I think that they're just like miraculous. I love middle grade so much. Um, and that's obviously where I started off when I started reading. I just, I like, I want to like save that, you know, for myself <laughs> to just enjoy. <laughs> and I find that when I start writing a genre, I, it's not that I enjoy it less, but I see it for like the whole big picture of it and, mm -hmm. you know, the ins and outs. And you know so much about the authors, you know, when you start working with your teams and you get to hear the insider information and it's like, I just want to leave that to be 
special. And, um, you know, it's something that I get to share with my kids. I can share with my niece. I, I just want to keep that. And I used to teach. So then it was like, I had that with students. And so it's like its own little bubble. Like, I don't want to touch that, but I do have friends that are branching out into middle grade. And I'm like, Oh, I just, that is such a dream come true to be able to do that. Cause it's such like a fantastical age range, you know, just the, the things in the, in the middle grade books that are out now are even more amazing than when we were kids. And so, um, yeah, I just don't want to ruin it for myself. <laughs> I like that I answer. Think it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. think, I think it's probably really, I mean, middle schoolers are, are tough. So, mm -hmm. I mean, to, I, I mind, um, you know, like, I don't want to say like diss me, but you know, like they put, they, you know, <laughs> they let you know how it is like every single day. And it's just like, I can't imagine, you know, writing for them and having to hear the truth back to you. Like maybe I wouldn't be that great at it anyway. So maybe just keep it in that bubble. I always find too, like the middle grade writers, they, they, they have this magic of like writing a complete story in so little words, you know, like yeah. you have 40,000 words to do the complete arc. And it's amazing to me. It's yeah. Hard. Yes. Especially when you're wordy. Yes. Yeah, right. Well, and you know, and I love romance. And so, mm -hmm. and that's like a very, you know, like not every character in a middle grade needs to fall in love, but in my stories, I probably would be like, oh, and they have a crush on this person. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, don't need that. you know, that's not important. It's not, you know, something that that age range really needs to value. And, but that's just, you know, I mm -hmm. think when I was a kid reading those books, even just thinking about like, Anne of Green Gables, obviously, you know, that that's, there is like a long-term love story, but like, I made it from the beginning. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. I would imagine it, I was like, absolutely end game. This is going to happen. And, <laughs> you know, like, um, I was talking with my, with somebody the other day about, um, oh my gosh, the secret garden, you know, oh. the secret garden. Oh, I, like, I love the secret garden. Mm -hmm. It was my favorite, favorite book automatically there's got to be a love story from the beginning you know like it's just I have to like have your you know OTP pair them off immediately and like it doesn't need to you know it can just be what it is for what it is yeah but so I, I think also I'm probably not suited in that way <laughs> but that's a great perspective I, I've never heard of uh, that kind of perspective before like an author staying away from a genre because they want to keep it special for yeah. them because it's the it's a genre that they like to read and mm -hmm. that is such a that's a, that's such a great revelation and my cat wants to go into let's <laughs> 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 go into the pot um, he's like that he's been because we just moved into a new place so he's been exploring every nook and corner <laughs> if he hasn't sniffed it it, it hasn't been checked so that's what he's been doing. So all right. So we're we're here to listen to your shelf book story, Erin. So what do you have for us today? Okay, so I actually I have five or I think it was five shelved books, oh. but I'm only gonna focus on the one right previously to me getting published. Okay. Um, because that's the one that I tried the hardest <laughs> with. <laughs> I think um I I definitely in my head I I treated my books is like, this is going to be my career. And so I kind of, you know, like I would try so many, get so many rejections. And then I'd be like, okay, move on to the next one. You know, like every time I started querying a book, I started writing the next book so that I didn't get too emotional about it, I guess, you know, it was kind of like, okay, if this isn't working, at least I've already started on my next book. Um, but the one previous to me getting published with You'd Be Mine, I spent a year on public or um, querying. And um, it was called You Should Be Here. And it was like the book of my heart. You know how people talk mm -hmm. about like the book of my heart. Like it was as a, as a teen, I was somebody who struggled with, you know, suicidal thoughts. And, and, um, and I, that was something that I kind of came to term with not until like my mid thirties, uh, you know, like told my parents about it and, you know, kind of was more open about it because it was something that, as a YA author or a hopeful YA author, something that I wanted to shed some light on. And so this book was part of that. And um, it was about two sisters and the start of the book, the older sister who's like kind of like your quote unquote perfect sister 
um, she's in a terrible car accident and she's in a coma and her parents do not want to turn off the, the life support um, because they're holding on to hope. And the younger sister um, finds out that she had purposefully driven the car off of a cliff. And so um, it's pretty heavy in the beginning. And it, it, you know, the younger sister has this amount of time where she's trying to figure out why her sister did this. You know, she's trying to come to terms with it and also come to terms with forgiving her before they turn off the life support. And, you know, and it's kind of like the family coming to terms with it, everybody trying to figure out what happened. Um, and also it's a love story because as we said, that's how I work. So, um, you know, if you've read my, my romances up to this point, I, they usually are pretty emotionally, you know, heavy, but they also feature romance always. And so this one also had a romance um, and it was received very well, which was why it was so heartbreaking. I had, I probably over all of my five books that I queried, I had over 300 rejections, but this book probably had like 150 of them. Like it was just the book that like, I really kept trying, like I said, for like a year. And the reason why I kept trying was because I had an, an enormous amount of initial interest in it. I had done one of those, um, Twitter pitch contests and um, everybody who got, you know, I had like maybe just like a moderate, like 10 to 15 agents who had liked the post. Um, of those 10 to 15 agents, I wanna say all of them asked for the full. It was something pretty pretty significant where I was like, holy cow, this is it, I'm, this is happening. You know, I'm, I'm positive this is happening. At the same time, I had my, closest friend and critique partner, who is still my good friend, um, was Karen McManus. And she had just um, gotten her deal for one of us as lying. Yes. So we were, you know, every day in communication and it was like, okay, this is happening for you. I think it's going to happen for me too. We were both so excited. And so that kind of, I think was part of it too, that kind of pushed me. Cause I was like, okay, we started this at the same time. We're having this happen at the same time. This is so exciting. And, um, and they just one by one kind of petered out and, you know, maybe it just, you know, wasn't quite for me. This is really, you know, interesting, but I don't quite get this part or that part. Um, this was one that had some religion in it, very similar to what kind of led into never saw you coming later. And that's a really, I found it was a very hard sell for a debut novel because, you know, I, I think the only reason why I was able to do it with Never Saw You Coming was that I had already established with two other books that I had some readership and that they could kind of trust me with it and that my readers would go along with me on this other story. It was a spinoff of an already established book, but to come out as a debut, that's a huge gamble, you know, to really put that out there and maybe alienate groups of readers before they even know who you are. And so um, I, I got very close. I had different agents who would ask for, um, I forget what you would call it, where they want to hold on to it for two weeks without any, but an exclusive. Oh, guess, right. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I had that happen. I had just, I mean, so, so many close calls, but also gobs of rejection. I mean, just so much rejection. I was, I was talking about it on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, every single Tuesday, my daughter had dance and I would drive her to dance. And it was like five o'clock on Tuesday. And I would get no joke, like between five and 10 rejections every single Tuesday in that, okay. like dance class period. Like I would sit there outside oh. of Panera bread next to her dance studio. And I, they would just like ding. Bing, bing. And I was like, I don't know what if agents all happened to like check through on Tuesday at five o'clock, you know, like whatever came in the weekend, who knows why that always happened. But I, to this day, like Tuesday, five o'clock, I'll like look at the clock. Like I have like a little, like, <laughs> a little yeah, like a little residual, just like trauma from, you know, just sitting there being, oh my God. you know, you could just feel your skin getting thicker and heavier. And like, this is, you know, gearing me up for someday. Right. And yeah. so I ended up, like I said, probably about 150 ish 
rejections over 12 months with that book and lots of close calls. But I had started writing You'd Be Mine um, during that time. And it was, you know, still, if you read You'd Be Mine, it still has some emotion to it, but it's very removed from me. Like it, I don't have anything to do with it. So it wasn't such a personal story for me. It was more the book I always wanted to read. I just thought it was a fun romance, something that I could really lose myself in, but it wasn't me, which was the difference between that one and the one previous. That one was so much tied to me that every rejection, rejection felt like they were saying that I wasn't, you know, my story wasn't good enough. Oh Where you'd be mine, it was like, this is great. And it, it took off. I mean, you'd be mine was the reason why I stopped querying the other one finally, because I was like, well, maybe I'll just query this one. And that one was the one, you know, it just took off really quickly, but I saved, you should be here. And I think about a year or two ago, I think it was probably like a year and a half ago. I have an established relationship with my editor. I've sold many books with her now. Um, I want to say, I think we're like at seven books right now that I have under contract with the very same editor, adult and YA. Oh, great. So I was like, Hey, I have this YA book and my, my editor, Vicki Lame is not afraid of like devastating stories. So I was like, I just read it again. I think it's great. I think, you know, I revised it for her. I was like, it's already done. What do you think? And I sent it to her. And I didn't hear anything back from her. And normally I hear things back from her very quickly and weeks and weeks and weeks went by. And I was like, it's fine. You know, it's a pandemic. I'm sure that's why. And um, so then I had to like circle back with her. Like, what do you think of that? And she said that the, the team turned it down. They didn't want it. And they, oh. they just, you know, felt like it wasn't, it didn't fit with my brand. It was too dark, you know, and I mean, it was like all over again. So devastating. Like I had to like go away from my computer for a few days because I was just wow. like, I have to really just say, and she, she was so nice. And she was like, I'm not saying no forever, but I think this is the wrong time. And I, I had to say to myself, like, nope, this is no forever. We're going to put it mm -hmm. on the shelf and just call it good. It's just, you know, I had to write it, but it didn't have to be published. You know, it was for me and not for anybody else. So, um, so yeah, that's the story of you should be here. I, it will never be here. <laughs> yeah. It's weird because that's usually the opposite of the story that, you know, we hear is that sometimes the authors would write things completely out of their realm of whatever. And then when they come back to who they are and write a part of themselves into their book or something that they are like really passionate or know something about that's when the book takes off beside uh, other than the ones that they wrote previously that you know might not have involved anything about them you know it would be really far away from who they are but for you this is a book that you is something that's from deep within you that just did not was not the the book that yeah. happened for you and i can really understand the devastation of that because to have a lot of close calls is just heartbreaking and how did you because at the time when you were getting rejections how did you um begin another book like yeah. You know, how did you begin? You'd be mine while receiving the rejections that you did for your shelf book. Yeah, that so that was part of my whole I, you know, like I said, I this was my shelved book is one of like five shelved books. You know, I I I was pretty well practiced in that by that point to mm. um, mm -hmm. you know, to just like okay, I you know, like I I would have I don't do spreadsheets because I'm old school, but I had like a binder for each of my my books what I was querying and I would, you know, write down who I sent it to in the batches and what their stipulations were and what the rejection was and you know and all that and I would just, it was very matter of fact and I tried to just keep it like in its little box like this is my book that's already out and just like try to keep the emotion out of it as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, I guess when you're getting your rejections, mostly on Tuesday at five o'clock, you know, by like <laughs> Wednesday morning, I was like, fuel, you know, like that in a uh, pitch perfect. I don't know if you've seen that, but where she's like, you know, it fuels my hate fire, like leave it there. And, it you know, it was kind of like it, right. It kind of like, you know, fueled me like, okay, send out five more and just work on this book that they're going to love anyway, you know? And so I think that was part of it. I also was super lucky to have people in my life who were very encouraging, you know, that would say to me like, no, really you're, you're a good writer. You can tell stories, you know, this is a really good story. I really hope they take it, but then maybe, you know, you need to just write another story. So I had people in my life who were like, you need to just keep going. You're close. You're so close. And also I had a time limit. I had, um, you know, I, I am married, I have kids and we moved to Michigan from Illinois. And when I lived in Illinois, I couldn't write. That's why I didn't start till my mid thirties because I had to work full time. We moved to Michigan and I still had to work, but I had a little more flexibility where I could work along with parenting. So I kind of had like a more of a a part-time position in the schools where I would substitute teach and at the time. So I was able to, um, kind of fit it in to like a regular schedule. I would say like, I'm going to sub three days a week, or I'm going to do the lunchroom every day from this time to this time. And then the rest of the time I have to work. Mm -hmm. And that really kind of helped me say like, okay. And when I sold, uh, you'd be mine. When I got my agent, I had actually said, if I don't get an agent and sell the, you know, this book this summer, I was going to start and go back to school the next year. I to wow. sign up for a program to be a teacher because I love teaching. Oh, yeah. And so um, I had a teacher who was mentoring me and he was encouraging me and he was like, there's this 10 month program. We, we live right by University of Michigan. So that was my time limit. It was like, if I don't make this happen by this time, then we're just going to say we tried. Six books is a lot of books to write for no, <laughs> for no return. And um, so it just so happened you know, I, I ended up getting my agent and selling you'd be mine quickly. So then I just went back to subbing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But the time limit helps, you know, when you say like, (laughs) I had six books in, you know, you were like, okay, this is done. Move on. Done. Move on. Yeah. Did it help to um, writing the books to keep your mind off of the rejections as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. To, you know, to lose myself and in characters and love stories. And yes, that was a huge thing to kind of like a coping mechanism too, you know, like even now, I mean, I've, I'll always be a reader first, no matter how many books I write, I've been a reader since I could first recognize letters and reading has always been my escape and my coping mechanism. And just like my, you know, my hobby, it's everything. And so, um, getting to read my own stories as I go and manipulate the characters myself has, is a huge way of just being like, okay, this is okay. You know, lose yourself in the story for a little while and, you know, control what you can control. So abs- I, I think that's key. I tell everybody like, just start the next book. Even yeah, if you don't yeah. want to start the next book, it really does help to kind of put that all behind you. Yeah. And now when you were getting all the rejections that were like, did you, um, come to a point where you said, maybe I need to revise, you know, like when you get a ton of different like advice everywhere, like were you Mm -hmm. revising as you went along? Were you sending different versions or how did that work out? Um, A little bit. I did a little bit for you'd be, uh, sorry, you should be here. The names are too similar. (laughs) Um, I did revise. I think at one point somebody sent me an R&R, an agent. maybe even a couple different times. And, and I, you know, I would kind of tweak it to what they said, but keep my other one that I was still querying with because Mm -hmm. I got so much positive feedback, but it would be like, this is so great, but it's just not for me that it was like, well, I don't know that I should change it then. Cause maybe I just need to find the person it's for. Um, when I, when I then started querying, you'd be mine. I only queried it for a few months, I think like two months before I found my agent. And immediately I had multiple people want me to revise things. And I did not that time because I was like, mm, this feels like I have a lot of interest. Maybe just keep it for a while. So right. I think it depends, but yeah, I think probably like six months into it with the 
previous book, I was like, okay, maybe something's not working and I should revise something else to it, you know, try to try to go with what they want, but I would revise it and they still didn't want it. So mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> at that yeah. point, then you're like, well, okay. Spend all that time it's, so hard. it's so hard, especially that it's a book that really, you know, you really cared about. It's so hard to see the rejections. And then I find sometimes when you're getting advice here and there that, and sometimes it's like totally different advice, like they would take yeah. it to different extremes and you never especially like as a newer writer, it's kind of like, do I follow this advice or do I not? And how would you deal with something like, do you just, it's like a gut instinct for you, like don't touch it or? Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, I, I had a lot, a lot of agents who asked me to take out the, um, any of the Christian aspects that, you know, kind of were part of the story. And that felt like a no-go for me because that was really a that was a really integral part for me for this particular book. It wasn't, I mean, it was not nearly as as um, spiritually heavy as like Never Saw You Coming, but there was definitely an aspect to it that I, I thought was really important. At the same time, when I would send it to Christian agents, that's you know, mm -hmm. they did not like it because they didn't like the you know, the, the cussing, or they didn't like the way that the characters felt too real, or, you know, that they acted too, you know, human, I guess. And, um, and I didn't want to change that either. Cause that was really important to me too, that like, well, that's yeah. how, that's the kind of story I want to write. You know, I, right. I think it needs to be in the middle. So I, you know, with that, I it was really like, I had already decided from the offset that that was what I wanted. And maybe that's mm -hmm. why I'll never sell it because it was very yeah. much like, this is exactly how I want it to be written. And I don't want to change it just so that I can get it published. Yeah. So that that could very well be why it didn't. And I think I I made peace with that part of it. Like that's and you know, and I think that's because you said that you wrote it for yourself. I mean that right. it was something you know. And I think you're right. Like if you change it, then it's not what you originally. Oh, 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 you know? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Sorry that there's a dog barking. <laughs> There is somebody at my house. <laughs> it's a it is a hunting day in Michigan, and so we have my husband's friend is picking up something for his day, <laughs> and my dog wants us to know, and he's leaving, so we're okay. <laughs> oh, okay, that's good. We we welcome we welcome babies here. We welcome babies. <laughs> any uh, any and all. Um, so that is really what made this particular shelf book different from the four that you initially wrote and said oh I'm gonna stop here I'm gonna see this one through because this one it looks like you really held on for as long as you could so yeah. how what made this one besides the aspect that because it was something that you wrote for yourself but why why didn't you hold on as long for the other four books? I feel like with the other four books, um, I was learning how to write a book. You know, I didn't, I've never <laughs> taken like writing classes. You know, I've just, like I said, I've read a gazillion books. And so I was teaching myself with my writing and with critique partners and just kind of reading and revising, learning how to write a story in the first place. And of course my, you know, my first four, first, shelved book I won't get into all the details but it was a three book trilogy a science fiction you know x-men meets Gattaca like it was very much a um product of the times you know it was just coming off of like all the dystopian books mm. and um and so by the time, you know, you can't write to a trend, obviously, we all know that. But like at the time, I didn't know that. And so I was like, I'm going to write my own one of those. And so that one, it was like, you know, by the time, thank goodness, it didn't ever get published. It was probably insanely problematic. And it, you know, it was just, I, I also wrote it like in single, single space. And it's like a hundred, I think when I, my, my query, I, I put it up on Twitter one time. Cause it was just so cute. Cause it was just like, Oh, Aaron it was like coming in at like 97,422 words, you know, like I was very specific. And I was like, you know, as somebody who was a teenager and also knows teenagers, you know, like, 
you know, trying to be all colorful and wonderful and like, you know, cute. And it was just like, so, and then, and then I, like I said, it was single space, not at all to like the modifications. I think I was reading a lot of fan fiction and I thought like, that's how fan fiction writers do it, you know? And, um, I had to like teach myself how to do like quotations the correct way, you know, I mean, it was, so I think as much as I, I personally liked the books and, um, it was a fun, fun series. That one was like, okay, I know that that's not actually, thank goodness, you know, that's not the one for me. And, um, and then I, I had dabbled a little bit in fantasy and it's a shelved book that like, maybe one day I, you know, it's another one that I'm like, I recently sent to my agent, like, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe I'll do that, you know, but it's, I just knew they weren't as good. They, they weren't, I, I didn't find my niche until I went into contemporary and then you know romance really with you be mine and that's where I really was like okay dual point of view romances contemporaries that seems to be kind of my jam like that's where I really hit my groove and that's what people seem to really click with and and makes me the most happy so it was a lot of like practice books is what I'm thinking is and you should be here was like my first practice book that seemed like a real book and seemed to get, you know, some interest. So I was like, this is going to be it. Do you think you would ever self-publish? You be here. You should be here. Um, under a different name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because I mean, gosh, what if people hated it? So <laughs> I mean, oh, no. you know, oh, no. like if it if it was, um, you know, got really bad reviews or something like that. I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure. That's a good question. Because we're hearing, we're hearing more and more about like, you know, the villas and the serialized and everything. And like, that might yeah, actually, yeah. yeah, like that might actually be, I would love to read it. I can tell you that much just hearing about it. I would love to read it. So yeah, that's actually, that's a super interesting idea. I've, I've literally never considered it. Or like, I, or like I, putting I never... it up on Patreon, like one, yeah. one chapter a month, you know, they, they have yeah. to pay a certain fee Ooh. to access the chapter. And, but at the same time, there are no reviews, you know. Okay, just, yeah. don't, don't do a chapter a month because we're going to die. Do a chapter a week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the good news is, is it's been done for what, you know, like six years or something, five years. Mm -hmm. So it's, and it's been revised 150 times. So, I mean, it's pretty well ready to go. So that's, <laughs> that's awesome. I'll have to think about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You never, you never I, would, I would probably change my name though. <laughs> that's okay just send us an email telling telling us what the name is and enjoy it for ourselves um yeah it, it's i think because the landscape is evolving mm -hmm. the publishing mm -hmm. landscape is continually evolving i think maybe in the future there, there might still be life for this book um we, we only say this because it's our we we feel like it's our calling <laughs> to break these shelves of life, you know, you never know. Because a lot of a lot of what we have been encountering is sometimes it's not the right time. Yeah. And then when finally it is the right time, the book finds its way into the you know, to the no longer shelf book, but into actual shelves. It's like it was so heartwarming to have you share that story with us because it's like we have been saying, it's uh somewhat the opposite of what we have encountered before like with the other authors they would talk about writing these books that were far from what they knew and then when they went back to what they knew to themselves that's the book that that hit it off and yeah. with you because i guess it's such a personal book that you know it, it was something that maybe maybe there is would would you say there is such a thing as uh because we do hear write for yourself write for yourself mm -hmm. or write the book you want to read would it be would you consider this book to be like just wholly for yourself which is why it, it uh, the agents and the publishers might not have seen a place for it in the market i don't know i mean i i it could be but i also feel like um i i feel like because i i had so many critique partners who also really love it and still talk about it to this day that I feel like it 
when, like I said, when I tried to bring it up again, uh, about a year and a half ago, I, I now write these, you know, contemporary romances, dual point of views. And this was, this was a very different book. And you know how you kind of, it's just like, you know, typecasting, there's like type authoring casting, mm -hmm. I guess you could say, you have a certain brand. And that yeah. is not really this kind of a darker story, even with the romance is not really part of my brand. Mm -hmm. So my publisher didn't feel comfortable adding, you know, adding it under me. Um, not like they would add it under somebody else, but you know what I mean? Like they have other yeah. authors that maybe yeah. fill that, that spot on their list. And I wasn't one of them. And they thought maybe, you know, like my readers would be confused by it. So, um, but I also, I tend to have a lot more faith in my readers and also just readers in general. And, you know, and I, I think it is still an important story to share. Um, I think that's, it's still an issue that is going on, you know, today. So, um, it will always be an issue. So I, I don't know, you've, like I said, you've given me a lot to think about with the, with the whole, I mean, I don't, sure, like Patreon, like it would be awesome to get paid for it, but I also wouldn't even care about just putting it up just to have people read it if, if that was something that is legal, which it has to be because I own it, right? So. Yep. <laughs> um, I think you just have to share it with your agent, right? I think, think so. Yeah. yeah, so anyway, that's something that I, I am definitely, going to think about a little bit more and maybe talk to her about because that's um you know it, if it finds an audience great and if it doesn't that's okay too and mm -hmm. you know I, but I do like the idea of not being able to read reviews because I'm not really you know I'm not <laughs> I'm still too emotionally invested in it that way and also I have enough books that I worry about reviews and how they're received and I I wouldn't want to just like add that burden for myself just yeah. because I decided to put it up there you know what I mean like I think I would rather just be able to say like here it is and if you want to read it I would love it and yeah. actually I, I'm really curious to know actually like how do you like do you go to read reviews or do you just like once their book is out it's like forget it I don't even want to see it like how do you oh my gosh I mean I like to say that I don't I, I usually get to a certain point, like I'll read, I'll read reviews early, early, early on, you know, just because I'm curious to see how people are receiving it. Mm -hmm. um, but that, you know, 12 months or whatever before a book comes out is a really long time. And if you do have to write other books, I, I will say that getting rejections didn't really affect me writing the next story because it kind of fueled me. Okay. Reviews do affect me writing mm -hmm. the next story, you know, yeah. good or bad reviews, definitely. <laughs> just kind of get in my brain and, you know, make me think about different things. And, and I don't want that, you know, I just only want my characters in my brain, mm -hmm. maybe my editor's voice, if she has to be there too, but otherwise that's, you know, I don't want to do that. So I usually cut myself off. So when I am writing another story, I do not read reviews, especially if it's like the next one. So like built to last is Shelby's story. Her best friend Lorelai is the next book and her best friend Marin is the next book book. I will not read reviews while I'm writing those three because nice. they're all interconnected and I just yeah I like that yeah. yeah I can yeah. totally understand that and I think it's something when the industry when it's industry rejection and then it's another thing when it's a reader rejection yes, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. because the industry as you as you grow as a writer you start to understand the industry so mm -hmm. the rejection is not necessarily like you you, you have you learn that it's not personal sometimes no. most of the time it's really just business mm -hmm. it doesn't fit the market they don't see where it fits whatever but then with readers because they bought a copy they sometimes they even feel they own because they bought a copy they own the book they own this it's like they feel they own the story so when they when they give a review it's like there it is yeah. and it could be a punch or it can be a kiss and <laughs> or it can and be I, not helpful at all you know like yeah. so often especially with YA books gosh their reviews I mean I don't mind reading romance reviews like the ones for my adult romance because they're so subjective that one person one one review will be like I don't like this and the next re review will be like I love this and they will be the same thing so then it's like, well, I get that. I'm a romance reader too. So like I, it's totally subjective. There are certain things that I don't like and some things I love, but YA reviews tend to be a lot of adults being like, this is, you know, this is too immature or I don't yeah. like the decisions they make or 
you know, this felt too childish to me. And I'm like, well, it wasn't for you. So it's not <laughs> like aggravating. And, you know, it makes me question as an adult, like, did I interpret these teenagers, you know, incorrectly? Like, no, because they're not teenagers saying that they're adults. So right. it's kind of, they're not helpful. And they just instead make me intimidated. And I'm like, nope, I'm just going to do my thing until some, you know, 15 year old comes and tells me I did it wrong. And then, then we'll, we'll take that into consideration. But it's for weird. now, yeah. So it's, it's I, the weird thing about YA is that a majority of the readers are not YA. Right. Or yeah. at least the ones who, you know, get the early copies in review, you know, I just, the, the ones who have the time and the money to say things are not the YA readers, obviously. Yeah. They're the ones checking them out at libraries and, you know, gushing over them and, and loving them. And it's the adult readers who are paying for it that are the ones who are writing in their reviews right away. And, yeah. you know, I appreciate it because sometimes it can be super helpful and mm -hmm. we have to do that. Otherwise, you know, we need people who are spending money on YA, yeah. but also it can be <laughs> counterproductive when you're writing <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, and you know, why, why, why give ourselves that kind of frustration? And mm -hmm. you know, um, so moving on from giving ourselves frustration, I will <laughs> then uh, move to a lighter portion of our podcast, which is the speed round questions with Christy. Christy, take it away. Sure. Okay. So, top of the you know top answer nothing complicated well maybe a little bit but nothing com too complicated okay. just to get to know you better so the first one is what was your favorite band or group when you were a teenager oh my gosh um so i'm a huge huge music nerd so that would be a very complicated question but if i'm <laughs> going to pick just one I would say I went and saw Dave Matthews band six times over my <laughs> teens. So I would, I mean, I, there wasn't one of their albums that I didn't like listen to, you know, from front to back. And so I probably, I would say Dave Matthews band followed by counting crows. Grungera. Yeah. Good one. Good one. Um, do you prefer sunrises or sunset? Um, hi, I'm not an early riser. So sunset. Right. Would you prefer to have a mountain vacation or a beach vacation? Ooh, this is actually very relevant because we're planning a vacation for a couple weeks from now that was supposed to be a beach vacation, but now it is a mountain vacation because the beaches have been washed. washed oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Understandably, we've moved it to uh, Arizona where we will be in mountains. So I'm pretty excited. I don't often get to do mountains because we live just kind of like, you know, closer to Florida. I mean, it's like yeah. a straight shot down and that's, I'm like pointing like this, that direction. <laughs> the mountains are that way and the beach is that way. So yeah. that's good though. I know that you have multiple animals, a dog and a cat, but do you consider yourself more a dog person or a cat person? Ooh, my cat. Am I going to start a war in the house? Right behind me. Right. I, I am. I actually, I mean, I love my two animals but i think i'm a cat person like I, I i'm obsessed with my dog she's wonderful but i'm i i asshole cats i mean they're so great because they're just like so mean and don't care about you but also they're like i'm gonna come and sit on your lap and you're just like okay <laughs> you really have we to won't show harder. this video to your dog it's okay <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite holiday uh it's, it's valentine's day oh. um i even though i don't like usually do a ton to celebrate it i just really have always loved valentine's day so much i like it and you're a romance writer so that fits right yeah. in yeah. um do you think you would make a good spy no <laughs> I a terrible spy i think i watch all these like detective and true crime shows and i'm like obviously you know i totally get it I would be a terrible spy though, because I, I just like, am very obvious about everything. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. What is your favorite, favorite writing hack or, and if you don't have one, then do you have your favorite advice? Um, my hack, because I write dual point of view, um, first person romances, I do a playlist for each of my characters. And then um, a playlist, playlist like or like a soundtrack for the entire book. So I have all three of those in place before I start writing. 
That way I can um, refer back to it. So like when I'm revising or I'm starting a chapter with the next character and I have to switch into the other one's brain again, mm -hmm. I just pull up that playlist and it really helps me just to get into that mindset right away instead of like, you know, having to fix the voices afterwards. You know, it's really important to me that their voices sound as different as possible. So mm -hmm. um, I have my playlist all ready to go when I write. I like that. That's like a hack and advice all at the same time. It's great. Yeah, I do. <laughs> what is the most interesting thing you own? My gosh, do I own anything interesting? I mean, <laughs> I think for me, I, I live, I own my home, obviously not just by myself, but um, we live on like five and a half acres. We have chickens and we have berry bushes and we, you know, it's a, like apple trees and it's oh. pond and so, I mean, it sounds very pond. fancy. We have a pond. We live um, in a very rural, so it's not like we have like a gobs of money or anything like that. It's just, it happens to be when you live really far away from civilization, you can <laughs> sometimes- It sounds awesome. He's <laughs> in a pond that has very tiny fish in it. So I, I think that's pretty interesting. I just, I, yeah, I have a little farm, tiny. There's, tiny. there's something very cool about you saying that the, the best thing you own and most interesting you own is your house. I really like that. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, I love the pond. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine, do you prefer a night in or a night out? I am a huge homebody. I like to think that I would be like super adventurous. And, you know, had I not gotten married young, like I'd be like, some magazine, you know, writer in the city, you know, like a super sexy job and going out and but I just would probably be in my pajamas still like I just like being home with my family. I'm right there with you. And the last question is, is your bed made right now? Yes, I make it every morning the second second I get out of it. Good for you. I am a I'm a pretty much a neat freak as far as like tidiness, not like, you know, washing the floorboards or anything, but like making my bed, fixing the pillows, putting away blankets. Yes, every day. Thank you so much for answering those. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for those weren't as hard as I was like worried they were going to be like, you know, like what are the Rorschach or whatever they call it, like the test where you have to no. look at the blob. <laughs> Too early in the morning for that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And there's, there's really something about uh, starting the day with making your bed. I think I, I yes. learned that from my dad. You know, he gets up, he makes his bed and that sort of kickstarts the day. And I'm, I'm the same way. I have to make my bed and make sure that it's all organized and then I can go and start my day. So which yeah. is so great. We, we are so grateful having you here, Erin. And where can our viewers slash uh, listeners find you? Uh, you can find me. I try to be consistent. So it's like Erin Han underscore author on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, I think I'm Erin Han author also on TikTok, although if you just like look at it there, um, I'm not great on TikTok, but you can find me there and you can send me videos because that's more what I like. And uh, yeah, and I have a website, erinphan.com that you can usually find things. There's a newsletter and, and I try to keep up to date on like what's really happening. But, you know, like most authors, I'm, it's like the last on my list of things. Mm -hmm. If you want to know what's happening, go to Twitter first and then, you know, go down the line. Besides your latest release, Built to Last, what else can they uh, look forward to from you? Uh, what's, what else is coming forward? I have... So Built to Last is now, and then the next book is called Friends Don't Fall in Love, and that is going to be Lorelai's story. So that's my second adult book. That'll be out next fall. And immediately following that will be my next and possibly last YA, and that one is called um, Even If It Breaks Your Heart, and it is what I refer to as my sad rodeo book. So it's a <laughs> I wrote it during the pandemic. It's definitely sadder, but also a very, very sweet love story um, that has to do with um, a barrel racer and a bull rider. So um, yeah, so that's, those are the next ones coming out. Okay, I, I'm just curious about that one. What, yeah. made, what made you want to write it as a YA as opposed to an adult? Um, you know what? It didn't even occur to me to write it as an adult, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I wrote it. I had another commissioned YA. So when I was trying to figure out and, and for years, I wanted to write a, uh, a book with the bull rider in it. And 
um, during the pandemic, not to get like too into details, but during the pandemic, I lost family members to COVID and um, had a, my daughter was very ill and in the hospital. And we, I had a lot of really big feelings about how different people reacted to the pandemic and cared about the people around them. And that kind of manifested itself into this book. So while it's about a bull rider and a barrel racer, the bull rider lost his best friend, who was his like bull riding partner. Yeah. Um, and he lost him previous to the start of the book. And he's dealing with his grief over that. And he lost him um, during, during a time that, you know, he probably could have been okay, but because of the pandemic, he wasn't. Yeah. And, um, and the, the female lead who is the barrel racer, she's an oldest daughter without a mother at home and has to kind of raise, she, well, she doesn't kind of raise, she raises her siblings and has a lot of baggage that she has these dreams that she wants to chase, but also she has these responsibilities that don't allow her to do that, even though she's only 19. So, um, so it, it just, I don't know that I meant for it to be so mature as far as like really big feelings in this book, but, um, happened to be during a pandemic and so that manifested itself in something that's really immature but the characters are still teenagers because teenagers have big feelings too and they um i think it's okay to show them having big feelings and working through it so my my ways are way heavier than my adult my adult romances will not have the kind of drama and i want them that way like i just want them to be light and fun reads and the most drama you'll get is like superficial and I don't, I should do that with my wife, but for some reason, I just make them suffer more. So um, I think I was very dramatic as a teenager. And like I said, I had a lot of emotional things happening and trauma. And so that manifests in my YA. And then as an adult, I've had a largely happy and I've dealt with it all already. And now I'm ready to just have happy endings all over. So my, my adult books are far lighter so you read one and get sad and then you read the other and get happy and that's yeah. we're gonna do it that yeah. Works. Yeah. i love it i love it that is certainly something i'm looking forward to i i because i'm really into rodeo i really love it um yeah and and if you're if you're a fan of of yellowstone it's kind of mm-hmm. you know yes. I, I, i'm very very so I, I i've never heard of a teenage bull rider before and um yeah. so i usually so I usually think of them as older guys. So which which is why I asked why it wasn't adult as opposed to uh, YA. But thank you so much for sharing that with us. I mean, yeah. oh my god, I, I, I <laughs> and I can just I, and I look forward to the cover that that I know me too. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's gonna be good. Yeah. So once again, Erin, thank you so much for joining us. Um, yes, thank you for having me. For our viewers and listeners, if you have your own shelf book story, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at shelfbookspodcast at gmail.com and we will read your story here on the podcast as well. And if you could, if you're watching us on YouTube, please give us a like, hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so that you will not miss a single episode. And if you are listening to us across all the um podcast platforms uh please if you can take the time to leave us a five-star review that would be so appreciated it helps us you know uh climb the ranks and find more viewers more uh listeners that uh, we can and especially now that we are moving into um so many 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 more um exciting authors like Erin that are coming on to the podcast that we can't wait to share with you all. So make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss a single episode. So once again, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. We are your hosts, Kate Evangelista. Angie Sandro. And Christy Berman. (laughs) And we are the Shelf Books Podcast. Tune in again next week for another exciting guest talking about their shelf book. Remember, keep on writing. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) And that was another episode of the Shelved Books Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Till the next one, stay safe, read more, write more, and continue to be at your creative best. The world is waiting, and so are we.